Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. All right, praise the Lord. Well, I'm going to get in my message. I've been teaching on the Gospel of John in chapter 1. We talked about who Jesus is. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of Man. Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. Chapter 2, we talked about Jesus works miracles. How many of you are glad that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? And he's still working miracles. Amen? Chapter 3, we're going to talk about how you can get involved in the kingdom of God. How you can get involved in kingdom power and kingdom authority. That's what this is really about. So I want to jump down and begin with uh, chapter 3, verse 14 to verse 16. That Jesus was speaking. He says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man will be lifted up. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they were wandering in the wilderness and they began to complain in Numbers chapter 21. They began to complain about God and complain about Moses. And Moses cried to the Lord and said, what do I do about it? He said, I want you to take a serpent of brass. I want you to put it on a pole and, and whoever looks at that serpent of brass, they're going to be forgiven and they're going to be healed. And when they looked up at the serpent of brass, Moses did that, they were forgiven and they were healed. In fact, our current sign for the medical field, right? Medical science is a serpent of brass on a pole, a serpent on a pole. That comes right out of the scripture. That comes right out of the Bible. Praise God. And so when they looked at that serpent of brass on the pole, they were forgiven and they were healed. Jesus said, as Moses lifted up this serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man will be lifted up. And when Jesus died on the cross, not only did Jesus provide forgiveness for our sin, but he provided healing for our body. At the same time that he was wounded for our transgressions, he took stripes for our healing. And the Bible over and over talks about forgiveness and healing side by side. Psalm 103 verse 3 says he forgives all of our sins and he heals all of our diseases. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. Praise God. In Matthew chapter 9, they brought a lame man to Jesus meeting. The place was so full, they couldn't get, of religious people, they couldn't get in. So these four, you know, everybody needs four crazy friends. They, they got up on the roof. They couldn't get him in. They tore a hole in the roof and they dropped him down. Jesus seeing their face said, son, cheer up. Your sins are forgiven. Do you know, sometimes to get healed, you need to know that you're forgiven. And then the religious people begin to question him in their mind. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, well, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or be healed so that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins? I tell you, sick of the palsy, get up, take up your bed and go to your house. And he got up and took up his bed and was made healed. He was whole, praise God. So Jesus, forgiveness and healing are tied together right there. In 1 Peter 2, verse 24, Peter said, Who his own self bear our sin and his body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. 
Forgiveness and healing right there provided at the cross. James chapter 5 verse 14 says, If there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And if they've committed sins, they'll be forgiven. Forgiveness and healing. You see, Jesus provided forgiveness and healing. Praise God. Our God is not only the Lord, our righteousness. He is the Lord, our healer. Praise God. He is Jehovah Sidkenu, and he still is Jehovah Rapha. He still is the same. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we see this all through the scripture. Now, in, in, in John chapter 3, Nicodemus he was a, a Pharisee, so he's a very religious person, believed in dotting every I and crossing every T and all the scriptures. He, he was a ruler of the Jews, and he came to Jesus by night, and he said unto him, Rabbi, in verse 2, we know that you're a teacher. I want you to look really closely as he's speaking to Jesus. We know that you're a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. So the question that Nicodemus asked was about miracles. Jesus, if God wasn't with you, you couldn't do these miracles. In other words, he's really talking about how can I walk in kingdom authority? How can I walk in kingdom power? Do you know what? We get to be part of the kingdom of God. Isn't that marvelous? You know, Pastor Max Cornell from Kansas City, he came here to our church after he graduated for Bible school for three years. He worked for us as an associate pastor, and then we sent him to, to Kansas City. We gave him $50,000 and helped him plant a church, which, by the way, he gave all that money back and some more. But, but Max went to Kansas City, and, 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 you know, he started there, and he was working, and Barbara went, and I went out and preached for him, you know, a little bit later. And one time when we were out there preaching for him, uh, it was a bad storm, and we weren't able to come home. So I got online, and Max had been talking about getting a building and looking for a building. And I found one just about three minutes from his house, right in the area where he wanted to be. I mean, it wasn't right out on the main road, but it was the main area. And I found it was already a church. It was a building that had been made into a church, and it was for sale. And they wanted $1.3 or $1.35 million. And I said, Max and Barbara said, listen, we need to buy this for a million to $1.1 million. Well, the people wouldn't sell it to him. That was like two and a half years ago. So anyway, um, we just waited. And a couple years later, Max just felt like, hey, we need to go back. So he went back and talked to him. And they had dropped the price to $1.1 million. So we went in and we bought it for $1,050,000. Now, they, they bought the building years before for $1.4 million. And then they turned it into a church, spent a bunch of money on it. So we thought, well, it's a pretty good deal. Praise God. Usually when we get it where we want it, it's a pretty good deal. Anyway, I got a text from Max this week because he got a refinancing deal right at the bottom of the market, four and a quarter percent locked in for 10 years. Amen, on a 20-year, I mean, he'll pay it off. Praise God, and it's locked in. It's fixed rate. And right now, my name's on the loan, guaranteeing the loan, and his name's on the loan, guaranteeing the loan, besides the church. And so he said, hey, we're going to get our names off here. We're going to get this new loan. I said, that's a good deal. Let's do it. But anyway, he texted me just this week. He said, hey, pastor, he said, they just appraised the building for $1.77 million. We've made $700,000 in the last two years. I said, now, Max, because we, we closed it right after the beginning of the pandemic. Right? I said, now, Max, are you happy you bought it? He said, yes, I'm really happy I bought it. But he called me, right? 
just, just like a month before closing, right? As the pet pandemic, he said, Pastor, I, I really don't know. I, I don't have peace about buying this. I said, Max, you just need to buy it. Now, really, it wasn't that he didn't have peace. What, what he was, he'd just never done anything that big. I said, it's only like two of your houses. That's no problem. So you just need to buy it. And so he said, well, I think he called me back the next day. He said, yeah, I think I'm going to go ahead and buy. I said, yeah, you need to buy it. Now, if he wouldn't have bought that building, did you know what? There's a good church, chance he wouldn't even have a church today. Because they got a liberal nut governor, right, in Kansas. A Republican state, you know, conservative state with a liberal governor. So, crazy. Closed everything, you know, in Kansas City, everything down. Closed all the schools down. They were meeting in schools. If they wouldn't have their building, they wouldn't have a place to meet. And, and it's, there's a chance they might not have even been going. It was really difficult and challenging, even with the situation. That, but I said, hey, are you glad? He said, yeah, Pastor, I'm really glad. He said, by the way, if we wouldn't have bought it, we might not even be able to buy one today. But because we bought this, now I'm going to pay it off. And then it's, I'm going to sell it. It's going to be a down payment. Then I'm going to get me a great big building and fill it full of people. Praise God. But I said, Max, isn't this exciting? We get to be part of the kingdom of God. We get to work with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus. Amen? And so Nicodemus said, Jesus, nobody can do these miracles. Nobody can walk in kingdom authority except God be with him. And Jesus answered him. So this is what I'm talking about today. How can we walk in kingdom power? How can we walk in kingdom authority? And Jesus said, truly, truly, or verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now notice the word see there in the Greek is the word haraho. Haraho. Amen. And it means this. It means to perceive, to understand, to know, or experience. See, he said, no man can do these miracles except God be with him. So change it and, and look at it this way. No man can experience the kingdom of God or no man can participate in the kingdom of God except they be born again. Now, Jesus was talking spiritually. Nicodemus was thinking naturally. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I tell you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, this is what I think Jesus is talking about. I could be wrong. But when Jesus is talking about being born of the water, I believe he's talking about natural childbirth. Because just a little bit after your mother's water broke, you were born. And when you read this in context, he goes in the next verse and says, that which is flesh is flesh, and that which is spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. Okay, so... You have a physical man and you have a spiritual man. But if you're going to operate in authority on the earth, you have to have a physical man and you have to be born again. You have to have a, a recreated spirit if you're going to walk in kingdom authority on the earth. You can't operate in kingdom authority on the earth without a physical body and a born again spirit. Right? you got to have both of those things operate. In fact, when you leave this earth... When you leave this physical body, you leave your authority on the earth because God gave authority to a man, right? And, and so Jesus came as a perfect man to restore authority to humanity. That's one thing that he came to do. So Jesus came as this perfect man to restore our authority. But when you leave your physical body, you leave your authority on the earth. You, have a th you can't heal the sick, cast out devils, and raise the dead once you leave your physical body. 
Right? When you leave this earth, when you die, your authority on the earth is done. So you have to have a physical, in fact, Jesus, right, works and he has authority on the earth. But how does he work on the earth? Acts chapter 1 verse 1 says, This former treaty have I written, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And if you read the end of Ephesians chapter 1, Jesus is the head and we are his body. We are the fullness of him that carries out all things. So Jesus carries out his authority on the earth through the body of Christ. Through the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that carries out all things. So if you don't have a physical body, you have no authority on the earth. When you leave this physical body, you leave your authority on the earth. But while you're here in this physical body, if you're going to operate in authority in God's kingdom, you've got to have both a born-again spirit, right, and a physical body. It takes both those things to operate in authority in God's kingdom, kingdom authority. So, Jesus is talking about this, and he says, you got to be born of the water. That, to me, that means, that's my interpretation of this, that means physical birth. He says, and of the Spirit, that's talking about being born again. That's talking about your rebirth as a child of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You have a physical man, and you have a spiritual man. You have an outward man, and you have an inward man. He says, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. In fact, our Bible says that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 50. So your physical body in the state that it's in today could not live forever in the presence of God. That's why when Jesus comes, we're going to get a glorified, immortal, eternal body that's never going to have to deal with some of the stuff we have to deal with today. But until he comes, right, or until we go, we still have a physical body. Right? Now, there's a, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 15. Let's go there and read these verses. In 1 Corinthians 15, let's read verse 44 through verse 49. Verse 50 is the verse that says that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption, this corruptible body, inherit incorruption. But verse 44 prior to that, he says it's sown a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. You have an outward man and you have an inward man. You have a natural man and you have a spiritual man. As so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The reason I believe that Adam got into trouble in the garden is because he was living by his brain rather than living by his spirit. He was living out of his soul rather than living out of his recreated spirit. He says... He says, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam, Jesus, was made a quickening or a life-giving spirit. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and after that which is spiritual. Okay, so Adam and then Jesus. The first man, Adam, is of the earth earthly. The second man, Jesus, is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthly, so are they earthly. As is the heavenly, so are they which are heavenly. As we have borne the image of the earthly, the natural man, the physical man, the natural Adam, we will bear the image of the heavenly, the spiritual man. Praise God. The Bible says, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. 
The Bible says that if the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in your mortal body, he'll quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwells in you in Romans chapter 8 verse 11. So he says, now I say, brethren, that flesh and blood, this physical body cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. So go back to John chapter 3. If you're going to walk in kingdom authority here, right, you have to have a physical body and a born again spirit. If you're going to go into heaven and spend eternity in the presence of God, you must be born again, right? If you don't, you're going to, everybody in here is going to live forever somewhere. So if you're going to live forever in the presence of God, you've got to be born again, right? And if you're not born again, so if you're going to operate in kingdom authority, you must be born again. You've got to be reborn. And how do you get reborn? You get reborn by believing on Jesus. But it's really through the grace of God and the Spirit of God that this happens. Turn with me really quickly to Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5, Paul talks about some of these same things. He says in verse 12, by one man, that's talking about Adam, sin entered the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. He says in verse 17, by one man, again, Adam's transgression, death reigned by one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. It's the grace of God that you're saved. By grace, you're saved. By grace, through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and verse 9. Okay, verse 19 says, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, by Adam's transgression. So by the obedience of one, many will be made righteous. Now, how are you made righteous? You have to believe the gospel to receive righteousness. You can't pull verse nine, or verse 21 or 19 here out of Romans chapter 5 and make a doctrine out of that without putting it in the context of Romans chapter 4. And Romans chapter 4 says that you receive righteousness or right standing with God by faith. By faith in his grace. He uses Abraham as an example of faith because Abraham really needed faith and he uses David as an example of grace because David really needed grace and that's how you receive righteousness by faith in his grace verse 21 says this that as sin has reigned unto death even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life that leads you into a relationship with God by Jesus Christ our Lord so it takes grace Right? For you to be saved. That's what God did for us in the person of Jesus. And it also takes the life of the Holy Spirit. Right? You're not going to get saved if the Holy Spirit doesn't do the work. Work, number one, convict you of your sin. And number two, work salvation in your life. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says this. You hath he quickened, you hath he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. And then Titus in chapter 3 verse 5 ties these two together and it says it's not by works of righteousness that we've done that we're saved but by his mercy he saved us and washed us with the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. When you get born again what happens is your spirit gets regenerated. Amen. You know, your car has today, if it's a newer car, has an alternator. The older ones used to have generators that kind of do the same thing. But if you don't, if your generator is not working or your alternator, what's what your car's going to, the battery's going to run down and it's going to die. Right? 
So what happened, you were like, you know what, you were at home, but you weren't operating. <laughs> and you got regenerated, amen, when you got born again. You got regened with the genealogy of Jesus on the inside of you. And you got the same spirit of Jesus, the life of Jesus on the inside of you. So if you're going to operate in kingdom authority, amen, you need a physical body and you need to be born again. You must be born again. Let's go ahead and read in John Go back to John chapter 3. In fact, Ezekiel prophesied it about this. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, he said, A new heart will I give you and a new spirit I will put within you. I will take the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27 says, And I will cause you to walk in my statutes and do them. Amen? So you get, the, you get a new spirit when you get born again. Now, Jesus goes on in verse 8. says, The wind blows where it lists, where it wants, and you hear the sound thereof, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. In other words, you know what? You can tell when the wind's here. You may not know where it came from. You may not know where it's going, but you can tell when it's here. Amen? And if somebody's born of the Spirit, you can tell if, they, if, if they're born of the Spirit. Amen. <laughs> he says, Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered, are you a master in Israel and don't know these things? Verily, verily, truly, truly, I tell you, we speak what we know and testify what we've seen, and you receive not our witness. Now he goes on and he begins to go into a new thought in verse 12 through verse 21. And he says, not only is it by essentially being born of God or born of the Spirit, which is an act of grace and of the Spirit of God, but it's also through faith. It takes faith to receive what grace has provided. And Jesus said, I've told you these earthly things and how you believe not. How shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No man ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven or from heaven. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but should have eternal life. Whoever believes on Jesus should not perish, but should have eternal life. We're not only talking about a quantity of life, we're talking about a quality of life. We're talking about you're going to have the very nature of God himself. In fact, the word here for life in the Greek is the word zoe, and it means life in the absolute sense. Life as God has it. And he says it's fullness of life, real life, genuine life, active, vigorous, blessed life. We used to sing this song. I've got the life of God in me. I've got the life of God in me. I've got his life and his nature and his ability. I've got the life of God in me. And that's the gospel truth if you're born again. You got the life of God in you. You got the nature of God in you. You got the vigor of God in you. You got real, genuine, active, blessed life. Amen. On the inside of you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You've got to believe in Jesus to receive everlasting life, the life of God, the character. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Aren't you glad that God sent Jesus to save us? He who believes on him is not condemned. 
But he that believes not is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. There's only one way to be saved, and that's believe on Jesus. There's only one name given under heaven whereby men must be saved. That's Jesus. And this is the condemnation that light came into the world. And men love darkness rather than the light. God doesn't want to condemn people. But here's the condemnation. Light came into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light neither comes to the light lest his deeds would be reproved. But he that does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be manifest or may be known that they are wrought in God. Praise God, when you're born of God, guess what you're going to do? You're going to come to the light. Look, look at this scripture in 1 John chapter 1. Let's read verse 5 through verse 7. This then is the message which we heard of him and declare to you. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship or relationship with God and walk in darkness, we're lying and do not the truth. There's some people in the world and they're doing different things and saying different things. But you know what? If they may say they're of God, but they're lying and not telling the truth. You know, our governor signed a bill this week that in the state of Colorado, it's, you know, legal to murder a child clear up to the time that it's born. That's absolute murder. And they've signed some in some other states that they can actually let the child be born and then let it die. It's horrible. Now, I talked to a person in between services. He told me, Actually, what Jared Paulus did was just committed political, you know, just killed himself because he wants to be president of the United States. But 65% of the United States of America, of people in the United States of America are still absolutely against abortion in that form. I mean, I'm against abortion in any form, period, because God is pro-life. Amen. Whether you like it or don't. Amen. I'm completely against abortion, period. Amen? So, that's the end of the story. But, he says, if you have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as Jesus is in the light, or he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. What happens if you're walking in the light? You have fellowship with other believers. And the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, cleanses us from all sin. You, you know what? Light attracts light. So if you walk in the light, you see, we have fellowship. We come into fellowship, relationship with one another, and the blood is cleansing us. You know what? We're in a world that's been affected by sin and by Satan. But when we walk in the light as he is in the light, we, we communicate. We, com we have communion. We have fellowship. We have relationship with other believers and with Christ. And, the, and we're being cleansed. We're being purged. We're being washed. From all sin. Amen? Because it's not only in your spirit. You see, your spirit was taken care of at the cross. But it's also your mind has to be continually renewed and washed. Amen? And there's not only this vertical aspect of forgiveness and cleansing. There's also a horizontal aspect of forgiveness and cleansing that needs to continue to work. Amen? Praise God. So we continue to walk in the light. Now, let's go back to John chapter 3. So if we're gonna if we're gonna operate in kingdom authority, that's that's the real question. How do we operate in kingdom authority now and in eternity? Praise God. See, most people have taken this in the church and made it all about eternity, but they don't say anything about right. It's both now 
and its eternity. In fact, they've had this question in the church for years. Is the kingdom of God now or is the kingdom of God to come? Somebody answered me, both. The kingdom of God is both. The kingdom of God is now a spiritual kingdom of believers on the earth. Jesus said the kingdom of God is among you or within you in John 17 verse 21. But it's also a physical kingdom to come. It's both. So we don't want to make it all about the future, right? But you also don't want to make it all about now. Because both aspects are working here. And if you're going to operate, the question that Nicodemus came to Jesus was this no man can do these miracles that you're doing except God be with him. How can we experience the kingdom of God? How can we participate in God's kingdom? I believe God does, I believe he wants participators. And we get the privilege of participating in the kingdom of God. Amen? I'm excited about God. I'm excited about what Jesus, I'm excited about sinners being saved and sick people being healed and people that are oppressed getting delivered. I'm excited, amen, about the things of God happening right here and in eternity. I'm excited about it all. Praise the Lord. So number one, you must be born again. And number two, you must believe on Jesus. Okay, let's jump into the third aspect. Verse 22. Of John chapter 3. After these things came Jesus and his disciples in the land of Judea. And there he tarried with them and baptized. And John was also baptizing in Anon near Salaam. Because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. For John was not yet cast into prison. And there arose a question between some of John's disciples about the Jews and the purifying. And they came unto John and said, Rabbi... He that was with you beyond Jordan, to whom you bear witness, behold, the same baptized, and all men are coming to him. In other words, Jesus' church is growing faster than yours, John. What are we going to do about this? And John said, you yourselves bear we witness that I said, I'm not the Christ, but I'm sent before him. He that has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom which stands and hears him. Right? Jesus is the bridegroom. John is his friend. He rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, my joy is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. Now, how are we going to operate in kingdom authority? Number one, you must be born again. Number two, you must believe on Jesus. But number three, you got to surrender. I love this verse. He must increase, but I must decrease. Galatians 2.20, Paul said it this way. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He goes on the next verse and says, that I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, Christ died in vain. In other words, it's not my performance, but it's his grace but if, he, if, if he's really going to have his way in me, he must increase and I must decrease. Amen? Revelation 12, verse 11 says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the grace of God, by the word of the testimony, by faith in Jesus, and by surrender. They love not their lives to the death. How can we operate in kingdom authority? By the grace of God, by faith in Jesus. Amen? And by surrender. He must increase, but
but I must decrease. Philippians 3 verse 10 says it this way, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection being made conformable to his death. Amen. In other words, if I want to really see his life, I've got to surrender. I've got, you know, let go of me and get a hold of him. He must increase, but I must decrease. See, it's not about me. That's what John's saying, guys, it's not about me. It's about him. It's not about me. It's about the kingdom. Praise God, and we need to work. Not, it needs to become less about us and more about him. Amen. It becomes a kingdom thing. He that comes from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He that comes from heaven is above all. Talking about Jesus and what he has seen and heard. That he testifies and no man receives his testimony. He that has received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. You receive the testimony of Jesus. God is true. For he whom God sent speaks the words of God. Jesus is speaking the words of God. I love what Jesus said in John chapter 14. He said, if you have a problem with my words, believe me for the works. The words that I speak to you, they are my Father's words. And the works that I speak, do they are my Father's words. If we want to see more of the works of the Father, we need to speak more of the words of the Father. More of the words of Jesus. You know why the church as a whole doesn't see more people healed? Because we don't preach about healing. We don't see more people delivered because we don't preach about deliverance. We've just made it a spiritual thing, but we've left off the, these other aspects. If you want to see the promises work, you got to start proclaiming the promise. Amen. And he goes on and says this, For God gives not the Spirit by measure to him. Not only does Jesus speak the words of God and do the works of God, he does it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus had the Holy Spirit without measure. Right? So Jesus had every aspect of the, of the manifestations or the gifts of the Spirit that were then in operation. There were seven manifestations of the Spirit that were in operation in the life of Jesus, right? Tongues and interpretation had not yet been given, so that hadn't come. But he operated in the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the discerning of spirits, the gift of faith, the working of miracles, the gifts of healings. There's more than one gift of healing. There's many, many gifts of healings. Praise God. And so Jesus operated in all those six plus the gift of prophecy. Jesus operated in those seven manifestations of the Spirit. Jesus also operated in every Old Testament office, right, of ministry, prophet, priest, and king, right? Jesus was a prophet like unto Moses. Jesus was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus is our great high priest, Jesus operated in all five of the New Testament ministry offices. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. As an apostle, the scripture calls him this in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1, the chief apostle. Jesus was the chief apostle. Acts calls him a prophet like unto Moses. He was the greatest of evangelists. He healed the sick. He cleansed the lepers. He raised the dead. He cast out devils. And he told them the kingdom of heaven is come unto you. Praise God. He was the great shepherd of the sheep. Jesus is the greatest pastor. Praise God. He is the chief shepherd. 1 Peter chapter 5 calls him. Amen. And Jesus is a teacher of teachers. 
Amen. Jesus operates in all of them. He has the Spirit without measure. None of us have the Spirit without measure. We have different measures of the Spirit. But Jesus had all of the seven manifestations of the Holy Spirit that were in that time in operation. And he also had all three Old Testament gifts and he had all five New Testament ministry offices. Jesus is the head of all. In fact, Colossians 2 says this in verse 9, the fullness of our Godhead bodily dwelleth in our Lord. In verse 10 goes on and says, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and authority. Jesus is the head of all. So how do we operate in kingdom authority? Number one, you must be born again. You got to be born again. You got to, and how do you do that? You believe on Jesus. Amen. But the third thing is, if you're going to operate in kingdom authority, we've got to surrender. Everybody say surrender. He must increase, but I must decrease. Is this about you or is this about Jesus? And when you make it about Jesus, all of a sudden there's some things that were really important that they're not important anymore. Amen? Move on down to verse 35. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. God, the Father, literally gave all things, the control of the universe, over into the hands of Jesus. The destiny of humanity was in the hands of Jesus. After Jesus is raised from the dead before his sins, in Matthew chapter 18, he says, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. Amen. And teach all nations. Make disciples of all nations. Amen. Teaching them. Amen. To observe my commandments baptizing them, immersing them into who the Father is, who the Son is, and who the Holy Spirit is. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. The Father loves the Son and gave all things into his hand. Jesus finishes, or John finishes and says this in verse 36. Whoever believes on the Son has everlasting life. What are you going to do with Jesus? Do you know what we do with Jesus determines what Jesus does with us? both now and in eternity. He who believes on the Son has everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. In other other words, you know what? It's our choice. God's not going to make you serve him. God's not going to make you become part of his kingdom. God's not going to make you do it his way. I'm sorry, some people think everything goes the way God wants us to go, but you know what? God's given us a choice. God's given us authority. God's given us dominion. And there's a lot of things that are on this earth that aren't going the way God really wanted it to go because people haven't submitted and surrendered themselves to Jesus. But if you'll submit yourself and surrender to Jesus, things in your life can go the way God wants them to go. Amen? Love you. Bless you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.